Why settle for just living a good life? When you can live a life optimized to achieve your human potential, learn all the hacks that will transform your life from average to extraordinary. Welcome to Life Optimized with functional medicine expert, Dr. Neil Palvin. Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Neil Palvin. Welcome to another episode of Life Optimized where we talk about optimizing health, life, business, and athletics. So today we're doing a solo podcast. We're going to be talking about infertility, both in men and women. Um, this one's going to be targeted mostly in terms of the female issues, but we're going to talk about both. We're going to bring up terms such as ovarian aging and inflammation and autophagy, as well as talk about endocrine disruptors and a lot of other things that are now totally combining to lead to the issues that we're facing today. A study came out about a week ago from the World Health Organization showing that one in six people in the world, not the U.S., in the world, will have an experience with infertility, which is earth shattering, which is concerning, where, uh, and also shows the need for more information, more input, more concentration, and most importantly, more, more funding in, in this issue. And luckily, again, we'll, I'll detail a little bit later, there has been a lot of movement over the last year to 18 months in that aspect. But let's go back to that stat I just threw out there. One in six people are affected. And that, again, that is something where pretty much it's going to be many people you know are going to have an issue with infertility. And it's, again, there's issues responding both to the male and the female. I'm going to really, we're going to highlight initially in terms of the male, um, what's going on, and then we'll do a much more deeper dive into the female. And we're going to also have some really great guests coming up in the future to do a really deep dive on it. So in terms of males, there's a couple of different issues that are, are involved. First of all, low testosterone. Again, the data on how many men have low testosterone is at least, depending on what number you're using, at least 20 to 30% of men have low testosterone. The number I tend to use is 400. Opt, you know, most want most men to be optimally around 600 of total testosterone. The other important number there is free testosterone, which a lot of men do not have an adequate number of free testosterone. But that's a topic for another day. So testosterone is affected by numerous things. The main things that we're seeing that testosterone being affected by is stress. Stress and inflammation can decrease testosterone levels. Endocrine disruptors affect both male and females. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that you're exposed to, unfortunately on a daily basis, that act like endocrine hormones and like hormones that affect your endocrine system and fake your body into thinking that they're that the, it's the actual hormone and actually it's kind of a a quote-unquote fake and it just blocks up the system that doesn't produce any action it can affect hormone systems it can affect a specific receptor and what it, do it does is it's just your endocrine system your hormone system is not working the way that it should um, the examples are most common are, are bpa which is in plastics please do not microwave plastics don't put your starbucks coffee into the microwave because when you drink it you're just like totally exacerbating an initial condition something you should shouldn't be doing phthalates the fire retardants on a lot of uh of bedding can lead to endocrine disruption as well as inflammation as well and eventually it could lead to brain fog and other conditions as well all these things need to be something you need to avoid and these those types of Exposures also can affect female fertility which i'll go into a little bit later we know that there's an issue in terms of 
zinc levels, in terms of other things, in terms of magnesium, other nutrients that the men need to help produce testosterone are being depleted because they're not getting enough nat through their diet or um, through supplementation. Those are issues that need to be dealt with in terms of male fertility. Um, other issues that we know that cause low testosterone are, again, wearing the, the appropriate um, underwear even. We know that boxers are better than, I mean, bo that uh, boxers are better than briefs. We know that you should not be putting your computer or your cell phone on your lap, that EMS may decrease your sperm quality. We know that um, going into a hot sauna, while it's great for other things, may actually damage the sperm quality and in theory may affect your testosterone. So there's a lot of factors that affect male fertility. There could also be something simple anatomically, things like varicocele. Varicocele is a dilation of a vein. Just like women get varicose veins, men can get a varicose vein in the testicle. This can lead to problems with sperm production. Uh, something that's become very common and most men don't know, if you're on testosterone replacement injections, uh, testosterone sipinate or that can lead to decreased fertility and decrease sperm count and decrease sperm viability. Do not do testosterone injections if you want to have kids in the near future. Make sure that you know that your urologist or your fertility specialist knows that you are doing testosterone injections and they will tell you what to stop. Make sure your, your fertility specialist knows what supplements you're on because they may be inhibiting your ability to have a child. I'm going to go through at the end supplements that are have known to help and there are things that you can do that may hinder your goals. So just be aware of that. Um, other things that can affect um, sperm quality is, again, is high insulin, diabetes, obesity, eating a highly processed diet. All of these factors can affect um, testosterone and sperm quality, all leading to this higher rising number of infertility. We have all these exposures in our daily environment. And we need to be more cognizant of them. We need to take methods to prevent them. We need to try to avoid as many toxins in our daily life as possible. Try to find a bedding that doesn't have flame retardants. Try to limit your plastic use, again, especially with what you're drinking. And don't put it in the microwave. Um, definitely try to limit your stress. Try If you're going to... Um, have your computer near you on a lap. Get an EMF blocking table or an EMF blocking pad. Um, they are out there. Um, EMF Shield is one brand that I like. There's tons of other brands out there that are good quality. Before um, you're thinking about having a child, uh, from the male perspective, get tested. Get um, a testosterone. Get a free testosterone. Get a bioavailable testosterone. Get a sex hormone bonding globulin done. Uh, get a prolactin done. And then get a, give a sperm... Get a semen analysis and a sperm a sperm count, total quality sperm, motility, morphology, which is the shape. Um, you want to have adequate shape of the sperm as well so to um, guarantee that they're able to get and fertilize the egg. So it's men are definitely responsible. Part of the process in terms of becoming and having a child and some of the, they need to take some more responsibility for it in, in some of the dealings that I've noticed in the couples that we uh, deal with. Now let's go to the female. The female um, has become a, a much more complicated issue, but it's actually a good thing. Is it used to be we're sorry, um, we just we're just not able to have you have don't have enough eggs, 
um, or your hormones are off and we're just going to try other options. Now we're doing a much deeper dive into the why and how we can work on those things to help provide other options for a female and a couple to have children. We're also, what's really cool is there are companies now working on ways of kind of circumventing them. There's new technology, there's new procedures, there's going to be things that are going to make the whole process easier to understand because the whole process can be overwhelming to people. And it's not something that you're, that you have conversations about with your friends, it's becoming more and more of an open conversation, but it's not there yet. And certain things that people just don't know. So let's break this down from the beginning to the end. Um, so what we're seeing on the female side, some of the things that we discussed already for, on the male side apply on the female side. So you want to be cognizant, again, hormones, the, the, the hypothalamus pituitary, this is what secretes the hormones, LH, FSH, gonadotropin releasing hormone, and which helps the body produce at the right times, estrogen, progesterone, other uh, cycle, other hormones that are involved or that we're doing more and more research on, kispeptin and denorphin, and there's other ones as well that have effect on how easily a female can become pregnant. So something you definitely need to be cognizant of. These are things that could be tested for. You want to, all at every level, you can detect your gonadotropin releasing hormone. We can definitely assess the, the luteinizing hormone and the follicular stimulating hormone. You want to do, this needs to be assessed ahead of time. We want to also as a female, you want to do things that are not going to affect the efficacy of these hormones. Same thing I said as for men, you want to avoid any type of endocrine disruptors, BPA, phthalates, fire retardants, and so on. I mean, that's something you do in terms of your daily lifestyle. You also can do uh, detox, do sauna. Um, I don't, some binders have done through a doctor. Um, I recommend you talk with a healthcare provider on the appropriate way of doing binders because you end up made taking the toxin away, but you also may take essential nutrients and hormone chemicals you do need for appropriate body function. So that's something that you want to make sure that you do. Um, making sure that you are getting the appropriate nutrients, again, magnesium and <clears throat> your thyroid's involved and you want to maintain your, uh, lower your inflammation. Make sure you're not smoking, uh, smoking, vaping. All those things are going to affect your hormone production. Don't try to act. We know um, cardiac um, high intensity exercise is going to help hormone production. We know that appropriate sleep, that's when your hormones recalibrate. That's important to hormone production. Um, making sure that. <clears throat> making sure that you decrease your stress as much as you can. All those things, those lifestyle changes are going to address those hormones. So you, we can do the lifestyle things, you can get the lab work to see where things are. Uh, um, other things that can affect it are concussions or head trauma. We know that they can decrease hypothalamic um, and pituitary function, and you may lead to decreasing hormones, things to, to be aware of. Um, so if you do have a concussion, that's something to make your doctor aware of. And there are certain treatments you can do at the time as well as in the uh, far down the line, things like hyperbaric and other things that you can do to help yourself with that. So that is a starting point, making sure that you're, you have doing the appropriate lifestyle things, making sure that you're getting the, those gonadotropins checked, making sure you know what your DHA sulfate is. Know what your fasting insulin is. Know what your sugar is. Know what your inflammatory markers are. 
get an assessment if you can of oxidative stress. That's where rat free radicals um, from normal functioning of your cell and the mitochondria, uh, toxin exposure, infection, inflammation, poor diet choices, all are going to lead to free radicals, which if the body cannot have enough antioxidants to deal with them, is going to just limit the body's ability to function appropriately. And that includes becoming pregnant and egg production and egg maturity and having a healthy egg. So that is something that we want to be aware of. So those are definitely the starting point of what we want to consider in terms of fertility. In the fe in females is getting the, those assessments done. You definitely want to get an AMH, an anti-malarian hormone, if that is assessment of your ovarian reserve. And if that number is low, um, you want to, again, hormones, lifestyle, and you may want to consider egg freezing at some point. And also that means that you do have less eggs available to become pregnant and you want to do everything else then to maximize your ability to have a child. And we're going to kind of go through that list here in a second. So, but the good news is that there's so many more options now than there was even a year ago in terms of our understanding of what's going on. So we went through the hormone part. We went through the lifestyle changes. We went through the lab work. Now we're going to kind of go into more detail here about what we know in terms of the issues with egg formation and how what we think may be things that can definitely help. I mentioned oxidative stress. Oxidative stress, again, is the, is the, the free radicals, hydrogen peroxide, and sulfides, other things that can lead to oxidative stress, nitric, uh, nitrates, nitrites, nitric oxide, all these things that can lead to radical, free radical production and affect your body's production. You want to maximize your antioxidant routine without taking too much. We also know that in theory, too many antioxidants in terms of supplementation can also be harmful, which leads me to the first thing I'm gonna bring up is melatonin. Studies have come out recently that patients who are deficient in melatonin are going to have a, a, a decreased ability to conceive and be fertile. Um, melatonin is an incredibly good antioxidant. We, it leads to productive um, egg development as well as successful egg growth and also may affect the DNA in that egg. Can now assess melatonin levels at certain, in certain ways. They're not, it's not 100% foolproof yet, but it's something that we definitely are going to start looking at. So we are recommending our females start melatonin supplementation. Depending on when we take it, it could, the dosing has not been fully established yet. It could be a nighttime dose, which we, um, somewhere around one to three milligrams, or we can do higher doses during the day, 10, 20, up to 50 milligrams. Melatonin, it's something that we need to, based on what our assessment is. We also want to do, again, lifestyle changes. We want to make sure that patients are going to sleep at a normal hour around 10, 11 o'clock to help stimulate melatonin production at night, and are also getting morning sunlight in the morning and keeping that main, that normal sleep cycle to maintain to maintain the normal melatonin production throughout the day. We want to make sure you make your normal circadian rhythm, activating your suprachiasmatic nucleus, and so on. All these things you hear about on the sleep side, is it going to affect, potentially affect your body's ability to maintain fertile fertility? That's the, so oxidative stress, or other, 
any, any other antioxidants are also helpful. NEC, which increases glutathione production, has been very helpful. NEC is also potentially anti-inflammatory, which is also a benefit of it. Some people recommend glutathione. The studies for that are, have not been as fruitful. So if you're in terms of antioxidant, like NEC, metformin, alpha-lipoic acid, which is also an antioxidant, also helps a, a factor of mitochondrial function or probably or have more data behind it right now than does glutathione. But again, glutathione is also an antioxidant. Nerf 2, um, which you can get like sulforaphane or admissionase, those are things that you can definitely use as antioxidants. So I mentioned mitochondrial function. We know that appropriate mitochondrial function is vital to the development of an egg. The initial development of the egg as well as appropriate size and making sure there's no mutations in that egg so it, it can survive through the whole fertility and child growth process. So what, what do we know about the mitochondria? We know the mitochondria is where there's energy production, uh, ATP production. We know there's a it's where stem cells are produced. Um, we know that it also helps regulate apopto apoptosis, which is the big medical word for cell death. So we want cells that are that have ceased functioning to be broken down and removed and removed and or recycled. If they don't, they become senescent cells, which we're going to get into in a, in a couple minutes. Or we want to make sure that cell is recycled, which is autophagy, or that the mitochondria is recycled and regenerated, and that is mitophagy. So those are th if those if autophagy is not done appropriately. Or if the recycling of the mitochondria, which is mitophagy, is not done appropriately, it's going to lead to infertility. So let's hop on the autophagy part first, and then we'll go to mitophagy and some other stuff as well. Autophagy, like I mentioned, is the appropriate recycling of the whole cell. Studies have now shown that there's an issue in terms of that autophagy, more infertility. So how do we fix that or how do we address it? There's been studies of a product called spermidine, um, which is a derivative of a wheat germ um, that has been now been shown to potentially help fertility for different reasons. One, the main one is, is it help induction of, of autophagy? Um, it could be given in a pill. Um, you, it's very hard to be given via, to get the, the desired amount through food unless you're very diligent in terms of what you're getting from wheat germ and potatoes and some other vegetables. Um, there are products out there that can be given um, as a supplement. Um, if you're gluten-free, make sure you talk to your healthcare. If you're gluten-sensitive or have celiac disease, make sure you're very diligently talking to your healthcare provider because there is gluten in there. I mean, dosing has not been established yet. The standard dosing in studies for in general health is anywhere between 6 and 10 milligrams of spermidine. Other th products that have been shown to potentially help with fertility is rapamycin. Rapamycin is in vogue for almost everything at this point. Rapamycin works on mTOR, the mTOR inhibitor, and that also helps uh, stimulate autophagy. Rapamycin is very strong. So the studies, there have been some smaller studies showing that rapamycin can help fertility. We don't know the dose yet. With rapamycin, you definitely want to start on a lower dose and discuss with your doctor. It is a cancer drug and it does, as a higher doses, it's an immunosuppressant. We're still trying to figure out that sweet spot for the dosing. It's not been approved yet. 
And because of the side effects, there's definitely a, a huge plus minus in there in terms of that's something we want to be using fertility. We may want to concentrate more with like a spermidine right now and fasting and caloric restriction, which may help. Think, these are all things you need to speak about with your healthcare provider, your fertility specialist. As this has become a, such a rapidly changing and growing field that there's new data out there continuously. Um, something that you want to make sure you're dealing with somebody who's very updated. We talked about mitophagy. Um, one of my favorite supplements I talk about, it. I think almost every video I do or every story I post is urolysin A. Urolysin A is really great for stimulating mitophagy, and it's something that has very minimal side effects to it, and it's something that should potentially now be part of your routine in terms of fertility. So we covered that part. We talked about how the mitochondrial function. Um, we talked about oxidative stress. Now we're, I mean, other things that we need to be aware of, or inflammation. Inflammation affects everything, and it can definitely lead to problems with fertility. I talked about checking your CRP. You can check a SED rate. Um, there's more other tests that we do in terms of cytokines, which are chemicals in the body that lead to inflammation, IL-6, IL-10, TNF-alpha. I mean, those are very specific data points. And if there are any of those show high levels, you definitely want to consider doing um, some type of anti-inflammatory. Um, some people say fish oil. Um, some people are recommending curcumin. Um, all these things are, um, are have not been shown definitively to help in terms of fertility. Um, we know inflammation does have effect as when, but um, we know that inflammation has effects, so these are things that we're starting to kind of do a deeper dive into. Insulin resistance. Again, insulin resistance has now been shown to be part of, a, unfortunately, a lot of different chronic illnesses out there or, or problems with our bodies. We know that in, um, insulin resistance is related to PCOS. PCOS can lead to infertility. Mm -hmm. There's an overlap here. So we need to be sure of what we're, what's going on. Again, you're going to have your an over. If you have any problem with fertility, you're uh, almost definitely you're going to have an ovarian ultrasound done. There, not everybody who has PCOS is going to have cysts on the ovary. That's just one type. Certain types of PCOS that have cysts on ultrasound. Not all. Not everybody with PCOS has cysts on their ultrasound. Just something just to be aware of. If you have high testosterone and insulin resistance. That can lead to PCOS, which can lead to infertility. You may just have insulin resistance, which also has been shown to lead to infertility. And now there's treatments out there that may help women become more fertile. Metformin, which is a diabetic medication, um, is safe in pregnancy, has been shown to potentially increase, um, helps with insulin resistance. It's going to help with fertility. It's also It also helps with autophagy. Metformin can help there. It may boost AMPK, which helps mitochondrial function, may or may not be a factor there. So that's something we definitely want to look into. Berberine, which is also an insulin sensitizer, um, it also has other benefits as well. Something that's been shown to potentially help fertility. Um, a peptide, always got those little peptides in there when I'm having doing a talk. Matsi has no specific studies of fertility. Um, it's thought to potentially help in the broad scheme of things because A, it does help with insulin sensitivity. It does help mitochondrial health. All things that we know are issues in patients who are infertile. Um, CoQ10, since we're talking about the mitochondria, CoQ10, again, is another substance that we know helps with mitochondrial function, something that we definitely would want to look into. So again, we've had oxidative stress, 
inflammation, um, mitochondrial dysfunction, autophagy. So we've kind of gone through a lot, insulin resistance, all those different things that are on that list so far, uh, endocrine disruptors, and there's more. So we're going to keep going, but just understand you want to be doing treatments from each of those buckets. It's not just, okay, I'm just going to take melatonin for oxidative stress, or I'm going to take my spermidine to increase autophagy. You want to evaluate as much as you can with the lab data and then treat things as appropriately as you can. Um, to make sure that your goal for having a child is accomplished as easily as possible. So another issue that we're seeing that's associated with infertility is decrease NAD levels. De NAD levels, just like testosterone, just like female hormones, decrease during as the aging process goes on. We are now un understanding that addition of especially nicotinamide riboside may help with fertility because of the loss of NAD. We don't know if it's because of its antioxidant effect. We don't know if it's because it helps the mitochondrial function. It could be all of the above. Dosing has not been firmly established yet. I mean, common dosing is anywhere between 200, and one gra 200 milligrams and one gram of, of NR. Something, again, you definitely want to speak with your physician about. Uh, other thing issues that we're seeing in terms of uh, fertility uh, some, some smaller niche type things is telomeres. Telomeres are the end caps the sh of the end caps of like your shoelaces of your chromosomes. That 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 telomere is shortened. There's a, in theory can lead to inflammation and oxidative stress, and that may lead to issues with fertility. Um, there are some things out there that can work on improving the telomere length. Uh, one of them is a product called TA65. There are other ones out there that are being studied currently. We talked, I talked about when before that when you have cells that are no longer functioning, but they're not being cleared or recycled, that is called senescence. They also can, those senescent cells can sometimes le produce inflammatory chemicals. They can affect your immune system. They can be damaging to your general health and they've been linked to some illnesses um, as well as <clears throat> They can potentially limit fertility. So what we're looking at is using medications or supplements that can decrease senescence. There is no, there are no gr perfect medications or supplements that are readily available. A lot of them are being studied. The ones that we do recommend are quercetin or fisetin. Um, those are supplements or polyphenol supplements that potentially do have a link to being uh, what we call senolytic, getting rid of senescent cells. Um, some of the other things we talked about, I mean, Burberry may do a little bit of that, mycin may do a little bit of that. Um, but we're getting that, that's an ever-growing and ever-changing topic, but it's something that would definitely be cognizant of, not only for fertility, but in, in everything from Alzheimer's to weight gain to cancer. Um, senescence is being fully evaluated. We know that part of the mitochondria and the cellular function is making proteins. We know that if the body is is stressed or is opposed to a toxin, it may not form proteins appropriately. And the body has a recycling system when a protein is not made appropriately, it can say, ooh, that protein is not right. Let's just throw it away. But when the, it's overwhelmed, um, then it they just over they are overwhelm the system, cause inflammation, oxidative stress, and that can lead a problem to fertility. Um, right now, there are certain things. I mean, Zithromax, a couple of things that may help with the unfolded pro with that protein response. That is something that's in development. 
So the, that are some of the major things that can be assessed and addressed um, in terms of the f female infertility. It's a lot of information. Um, it's, again, a lot of this is, again, a moving target, but it's definitely things that are, are going, or as we go down the line here, can definitely be helped. Um, other things that are now being used that don't really fit in one category specifically, um, we're now using DHA sulfate or DHA supplements. Um, that could be for a variety of reasons. Um, it can help androgens, it can help estrogen production, it can help regulate your female hormones. Um, females that have too much testosterone, again, I mentioned PCOS uh, a little bit earlier, that can lead to problems with fertility. So we are using, some patients are using DHEA. That is something that you want, again, make sure that your gynecologist or your fertility specialist or whoever's managing it is aware of, because they are really gonna be, based on what your hormone levels are, be want to make sure that you're at the appropriate levels. You wanna make sure your hormones are perfect for trying to conceive. Um, fertility is just a giant recipe. You wanna make everything that you're getting is the freshest and the best at the time that you're trying to conceive. You're putting all this work, time, effort, and unfortunately money into this. You wanna make sure that you're optimizing the process. Um, other new things that are that we're using now are now stem cells and exosomes. These are this has become a really hot topic. Um, PRP is also being used. PRP, we'll start there. PRP is where we draw your own blood. We spin it down either with or without um, white blood cells, which may or may not be inflammatory, to in theory help with the inflammation around the ovary. Like you said, and we talked about that inflammation can in, uh, can affect the fertility process. Um, it may also, in theory, help the mitochondria. Um, it may help other, uh, may limit oxidative stress. That part has not been studied yet. The PRP has been studied. The studies are kind of, have been equivocal, kind of not great either way right now. Um, but it's something that is still being done. Um, and further data needs to be kind of accumulated. Um, some doctors are still doing it. The thing, the, the data, the procedures that have shown potentially more improvement are doing stem cells, self stem cells, um, that are taken either from the, from the, from the pelvis or other areas, um, and then injected either into the blood or usually into the ovary are showing some preliminary success. Again, this is something that's rapidly developing in the United States. There's still some type, there are some limitations of what we can do with stem cells compared to many other countries throughout the world. Um, that's a topic for another day, um, but that is something that shows a lot of promise, and the data has been pretty good right now. I'm waiting to see more. Um, kind of that same family, there's exosomes. Exosomes are little carriers that go between your cells, and again, we're seeing some benefits uh, from injecting exosomes into the female in terms of egg quality, egg development, um, and uh, um, egg maturation. Um, and all those things are very important. Um, further data in terms of the, the exact amount, where is it best injected? These are things that are, are a process that is ongoing. But again, the, the fact that we have all these different things that are showing promise and helping couples conceive and help understand uh, women's fertility and and also the whole overlying problem of ovarian aging. Where I mean, women are now living to seventy seven years old, and unfortunately, their the life where their ovaries can be can be maybe just into their forties. 
um, about a little more than half their lifespan. Um, there's things that are now being done that hopefully can extend that period of time so it's not such a stressful ordeal. Um, other thing that I kind of didn't go into um, in terms of lifestyle, um, it's kind of its own topic to itself, are birth control pills. Um, more and more we're finding that birth control pills are diminishing female hormones, um, puts some women in a menopausal state in their mid-20s, which obviously is not a good state for their general health, as we know in estrogen and progesterone and testosterone, we need it for everything from sleep, brain development, muscle development, energy, um, in terms of general life necessity. So unless you're taking birth control pills for a medical issue that cannot be controlled any other way, um, things like endometriosis, fibroids, um, just uncontrollable uh, uh, menstrual cycles, try not to use birth control pills if there's an issue with fertility. It just can really, I mentioned initially, we don't want to affect the hormone production. Nothing is going to work well if your estrogen is depleted, if your progesterone is depleted, um, it's just that's the core of the process to have that appropriate ebb and flow of estrogen and progesterone and LH and FSH. And all that could be affected by taking exogenous birth control unless it's something that you need and understand when you start taking them, which is still what I'm not seeing is you need to understand the doctors are not explaining. They don't see the side effects to it. And that's starting to change very, very slowly. Um, but I think people need to speak up more in terms of the effect of birth control pills on the general health of females. Um, but it could definitely affect your fertility process. Definitely talk to your, again, whoever's providing them to you and discuss what your options are. Um, so that is the core of what you can do as a self-analysis. The last part we're going to talk about briefly is going to be what the technologies out there that may take the process just out of the female herself, out of her body. And now we're, they're developing um, companies called, uh, one of the companies is Gametto, um, which is a, a new company that's, that's venture funded over the last year and a half. Um, there's a WISS Institute, uh, W-Y-S-S, as well as other companies that are now developing procedures where the egg could be developed outside the female body. It's a little bit different than what we're using currently, and it shows great promise. It's in stage, it's in uh, research now, um, and hopefully these types of technologies can make it easier for women and couples to conceive and have be fertile and have children without having to do other types of things. Those That's great if that's something you're interested in doing, but obviously most people prefer to have their own children first, and that's something that we're on the track to getting to. It's, but it's not, again, it's not just one thing, but again, it starts from the hormones. It starts from your lifestyle choices. It, exp it, it comes down to what your labs are showing, adding in the appropriate supplements. And then if we need to add these extra technologies that are coming out, that is the full package. And this didn't, a lot of this didn't exist three years ago. We weren't talking about mitochondrial dysfunction. We weren't having companies with now huge investments develop these procedures that are enabling women to get pregnant even if it's not technically done in their body so it's, it's incredibly exciting i definitely recommend following the leaders that are out there if this is something that you're interested in definitely reach out to me with any questions 
um, as I can answer as much as I can. Um, but there's a couple really, really great experts out there. Um, Dr. Jennifer Garrison at the Buck Institute is one of the preeminent speakers on this. Uh, Daisy Robiton um, is also uh, with her own company and has put puts much information out there in terms of the newest um, trends and treatments in terms of fertility. Uh, look at uh, VitaDAO, which also is involved in trying to promote both women's new studies and research in women's health and also in fertility, Athena Dow as well. Um, those are some definitely some resources that could be very helpful in your goals of understanding this. But again, to summarize, talk to your doctor. If your doctor is not answering your questions or doing the data, the due diligence to figure out what the problem are, both on the male side and on the female side, it may be time to try to find another provider or add Aster that you're hoping for who's helping with the fertility process, or if they're open to working with somebody else who may have some other information that is data backed. It's not, we're not just throwing darts at a wall. We're not guessing there's data that backs this stuff up. Again, we know that fertility, unfortunately, is affecting one in six. We know that testosterone levels, depending on who you listen to, are potentially less, have dropped 50% over the last 50 years. We know that <clears throat> Sperm counts are continually dropping. We have an issue. We don't want it to be a calamity. Follow, do your due diligence. Um, any questions, feel free to reach out through the website, drpaulvin.com, or if you're watching this on a social media site, definitely just put some questions in the comment. Definitely, uh, if you like what you hear, subscribe to the Life Optimized Podcast. And if you like what you're hearing, please review us and give us a positive review. Any comments that you can. See you guys next time. Whether you're an entrepreneur, a biohacker, or an athlete, if you're ready to take the next steps to optimize your life, visit drpaulvin.com. That's D-O-C-T-O-R-P-A-U-L-V-I-N.com.